What do you think, Tony? It was awesome. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I almost got. I'm like, man, I want to go cry somewhere right now. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does the sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. We're here to help your life be happier. What's up, Happy Lifers? Thanks for joining us here at Happy Life Studios. We have Tony, director. Camp Daniel, a camp for people with disabilities, a place I call the happiest place on earth. He hates it when I call that, so that's probably one reason why I call it that. <laughs> but I really do think it is because a lot of the people that I've seen with disabilities, they struggle with anger and sadness like anybody else does. And in fact, in some ways, even in an exaggerated, exaggerated way. But their happy is also very exaggerated. And for people to have to go through what they go through just to get through the door and have a smile on the face, I've learned a lot about them. So to me, it is the happiest place on earth, even though I love Disneyland, Disney World. So if you want to send me there, um, <laughs> you can just go to the notes page there. And, I'll go with. <laughs> and Tony will come too if you want to send us both there. Hey, we do some podcasts from there. So we're there for somebody that would do this podcast with Mickey Ooh, and Goofy Gorsh. <laughs> Anyway, um, we've been talking a lot about Ecclesia and church and what God is asking, and he wants us to be special agents on special assignment. What's this thing really supposed to look like, and what's the original plan? And you know, and people always ask me that, though, well, what's it look like? You know, Well, I think we got kind of some example of, of what it looks like. Something happened when I spoke at The Hub, you know, which is a, a ministry uh, for youth uh, that was well, I don't know if I would say it started. It's been around for a long time, but it hasn't been yeah. called the hub. No. But there's a, a a hero out there, and he would never say that he's a hero, but the guy's just the top notch, man. And he's been volunteering, having young people at his house for how many years? Oh, Decade. Fifteen. Fifteen yeah. years or so. Just having teenagers come over to his house because there's no youth groups up in this area. And he volunteers. He works a full-time job, and he just hasn't – he's been doing it for a long time. But then what happened? All of a sudden now it's called the hub, and there's a – a house that's all been redone and just share a little bit of that that that's kind of been in a in a communal thing how what it looks like it kind of looks like this people um tell us what happened there with uh well uh my friend pat who i've gotten to know over the last 10 to 15 years um well now i'm kind of related to him because his my nephew married his true. daughter that's true because they met at camp, in daniel. Their, yeah, camp daniel right. in our community and that's been one of the great uh, kind of outcomes of doing ministry in this community way is uh, it just keeps growing through marriage and families. In fact, I'm here because I helped you do the wedding ceremony with your daughter who just got married and she right. met, her met her husband, husband at, camp. at camp. Yeah, He wasn't her husband then. <laughs> yeah. <but. laughs> um, so and uh, we're up here in very rural northern Wisconsin. Um, we have churches in the area. Rural. Rural. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get more rural than this. They put the er in rural. We have three bars and one church and a post office in our town. Salute. <laughs> and the post office is like a, like a walk-in closet, basically. <laughs> this is a little known fact. At one point, Athelstein Post Office was the smallest post office in the United States. It but they rebuilt. Anymore? Oh, no, they rebuilt a big one now. Oh. 
A big one. You mean it's got 12 boxes in it? Oh, anyway. It basically is a mailbox on the side of the road, like for anybody's house, but it says post office on it. Uh, um, so we've been part of on and off local churches, and I was even a youth pastor for uh, seven, eight years locally and um, ran a kind of drop-in ministry on Friday nights where it was a youth center. We had a building in town, and had games and did stuff. Um, so our heart has always been for youth on top of God's called us in the disability ministry. And uh, when we left that, um, not long after that, the church kind of shrank down and folded up more or less. And there really wasn't a youth group in our area, but um, we got to know Pat and his wife. They had two daughters and Pat just started with his kids. Their friends would come over to the house and hang out and he started kind of teaching them and uh, you know, getting to know them and helping them along, those kids. It was never a service, though, actually. No, just no. hanging out and hanging talking around the and fire, power, asking yeah. questions. And, yeah. yeah, The biggest thing was the hill in the backyard to put a piece of plastic and put water on it and have a, you know, you could run and jump and go down the hill. He definitely has a lot of fun. Pat knows what he's doing in yeah. that area. And so he would just invite these teens over and yeah. build a relationship with them and exactly. help them in this, what does it look like to love Jesus right. kind of a thing. And then the second phase was to... He wanted his daughters and then the kids they hung around to get involved and to serve. And that was an important thing to him. So Camp Daniel became one of those points of service. And so we got to be friends over the years and closer and closer. And uh, I could see in Pat this kind of vision growing in him that he wanted to do more. He works full time. His wife works full time. um, But they didn't want to just have kids over to the house hanging out and actually some years back, it started getting to be too many kids. They didn't fit in the house anymore. And so winter was becoming a problem. So, And he lived way out. In the, I mean, they had a driveways to get there. Yeah, it's 15 miles out of the little. And kids yeah. would show up. They'd fill yeah. his house, and right. it, they had to drive 15 miles in the rural yeah. roads to get there. Yeah, and it was not, you know, he taught out of the Bible, He, but it was very relational the way he did it. And it was just talking, and, you know, kids would come with problems and situations and um you know, it's always been a good thing. And so as it was growing in his heart that he wanted to see it continue to grow, um, and we needed a place to meet because we didn't have, there wasn't a house big enough uh, to hold all these kids. So um, we kind of started talking about what, what, that, what, what, would, what would that look like. And um visionary, and as Pat started telling me, he came to me about maybe two years ago and was sitting in the living room telling me about it, and I just started laughing. He said, what? And I said, well, it sounds like you have a vision, <laughs> and he didn't like that idea. <laughs> That's a little too formal for him. So, um, but he kind of laid out a whole, you know, just a picture of what he wanted to have. So we started looking at buildings in downtown Krivitz, which is the next big giant city closest to us that has nine hundred eighty people. Sounds to say downtown Krivitz. <laughs> and uh, actually found a building we wanted to start doing. You know, this thing in there as opposed to doing it at his house. And uh, kind of got even more organized and formed another 501c3 ministry, which we called the Hub Youth Ministry. And uh, just at that time, the one of the local churches in town bought a, on the corner of their block, a ho- the last house on that block came for sale. And they wanted that property, and it was you know, a good deal. So they bought it, and we were kind of going through this process of finding a place to have it, and they let us have the house for it so we have five years we get to have this house and wow. we 
remodeled it, tore it apart, and tore it um, apart. Man, you gutted that yeah, thing. We gutted it. It was old and stinky, and yeah, it was stinky. <laughs> and had all sorts of crevices and caverns, and so really, you know, for not very much money, we remodeled it, and God gave us everything we needed for in it. And a lot of people in town have got behind what we're doing, and uh, so we have this kind of. It's a it's a house with no walls in it. Really, is Basically what it is. is. What it is, right? And there's a little kitchenette, and, um, and then we have a fire pit outside. And the way they they you you did it just like you do Camp Daniel. I mean, you guys could work for Disney. You are so good at what you do, and it looks so cool. And they're such a warm, inviting hangout place, and kids love to come there and hang out. It's in the middle of Crivets there, where it's you know not far from the high school, and kids love to come and hang out. And they got all sorts of plans to to. Um, you know, help more kids hang out and stuff like that, yeah. build a relationship with them because that's what it's about. Exactly. And I, you know, for years I wanted to speak there for Pat when it was at his house, you know. And, and But this last year I got to speak there. But the reason I got to speak there was because your daughter, who started working with them, right. she's hard to say no to. That's why I flew all the way out here from Wisconsin because she asked me to be in her wedding. I don't know how I could tell I, I I don't think she listens to the podcast, which is good because I can say this, but I don't think I could ever turn her down with anything that she she would ask me. And so she con- convinced Pat or strong armed him or whatever, had me come and speak. Okay, so now I'm speaking at this place called the Hub, and I'm speaking there. You know, we should go back farther though because you've been coming to camp for I don't know closing in on ten years, right? Mm-hmm. As a speaker, and um, so our camp is not we're not denominational. I think we had 14 denominations represented amongst the campers, counselors, and volunteers. So we're in the middle somewhere. I don't know what exactly we are, but being the director, I field all complaints when we go too extreme one way or the other. And when Steve-O came, he oh boy. freaked everybody out. And yes, he did. Like only Steve-O can. And, um, so, <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> Tigger, that's what Tiggers do best. Um, so, But our relationship began to grow, and... As our relationship grew, other people who I had a relationship here and came to our camp, they got to grow in relationship with Steve also. And so that's really the picture of church to me as a group of people growing together and what might seem different or, you know, something we don't know or recognize at first, it turns into something that's very comforting and needed. And I really believe that's what happened. And Pat and his family were part of that. That Well, you know, the message scared them. But as they got to know me right. and as they knew you and that you trusted me and got to know right. me, all of a sudden they're starting to live out that message and they're really super happy that they did, you know. And, and I think that's the word, the key word to this whole thing with the Hub is trust. That um, I think that Pat trusted God to to see this happen. But I think sometimes it's about trusting God in each other more than anything. and. Mm. Um, if if I can trust God in you, then I think it's easier for my daughter to trust a God in you. And mm, I think I f- we get that back and forth, and that's important. And the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, says that love always trusts. And that's how you know you trust someone, or you love someone, when you can decide to trust them. So when Pat asked me if I would speak, I was very honored. That was kind of like a trophy for me. I never got trophies growing up. and uh, But that is a trophy for me, that he would trust me enough to have me come and speak. and And from that... The pastor of the Presbyterian Church who happens to meet with middle schoolers on Wednesday night. What kind of a pastor meets with middle schoolers? A very cool one, I'm telling you. That is so cool. Um, <laughs> and so, and he came over and, and heard me speak, and he just loved it. And next thing you know, I... Wait, I, you're a Presbyterian? Huh? You're a Presbyterian? I'm not a Presbyterian. Oh, okay. I'm not. And that's the I cool that. thing. I know you did. <laughs> I know you did. That's the cool thing about this. I had a Presbyterian ask me to come and do... Uh, <laughs> 
a spirit-filled church thing. <laughs> like, would you come to my church? Because we, we went out for coffee afterwards, and we were hanging out for coffee for for three hours, man, just talking about how to hear God's voice. And at one point he says, man, my mind is it's imploding. I'm like, is that good or bad? He says, it's good. All these things that we can do and things I was telling about God was showing me. So he brought me in this Pentecostal assemblies of God guy. He brought me into his Presbyterian church. And in the morning I, I talked about how to hear God's voice and why that's important. And then the afternoon for four hours in the afternoon, we had a lab. Some would call it a master class, but we we talked about how to hear God's voice, and it's not that difficult. and And I want to put together some stuff from that that I can let you guys have if you're interested in, in pursuing that relationship with God by learning how to hear His voice, which which I think is very natural. And uh, you can't have a relationship apart from communication. And then at night we came back together and we practiced it. Well, that all came from me speaking at the hub that night. And then I talked to the to the youth there about hearing God's voice. And one of the nights I did it, man, I to be honest, they kind of looked like deer in headlights. I mean, <laughs> some of them were pretty freaked out by it. And I, I find out for the most part that people that have gone to church before, they have the hardest time with hearing God's voice. But people that haven't, when you tell them that God wants to communicate with them, they tend to usually get pretty excited, like, are you for real? And even at one point I said, let's just pause and ask God. What do you think about our situation right now? And my phone rings. And the ringtone on my phone was, of course, um, you know, <laughs> don't worry, be happy. Happy Life Studios, I'm living it all the way, right? And then all of a sudden I felt like God impressed upon me and I said, hey, that phone call is for some of you in here. We, you, They just got done at saying, God, what do you think about my situation? And the phone rings and says, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> and uh, a guy came up to me afterwards and he was a preacher's kid. And he said, he said, um, he said Steve, why did you know that that phone call? was for me it's exactly what i needed to hear and um and then i went home for a couple weeks for christmas you know and i'm back here again for the wedding and for speaking a couple church services and then speaking at the hub a few times for the young adults and the youth and and uh but i went back there to speak again and uh this same preacher's kid comes up to me with another somebody else and uh, begins to tell me the story of what happened with them this is what it looks like you want to know what it looks like this is what it looks like. You want to talk about a special agent on a special assignment? This is it right here. You want to talk about ecclesia called out of, called out to? This is what it looks like. So they come up to me before the thing even starts, the hub starts, and and um, and they were just so excited. I said, Steve, we got to tell you something. They said it was last last week, and I think it was Saturday night, I believe they were telling me. I can't remember what the night it was, but I believe it was a weekend. And they said um, one of them was really having a hard time, and uh, he wanted to go – he said they they described that as everyone was having a terrible time. Everyone was having a a, a difficult, crappy time. They were just it, nobody was happy. Everyone was was really struggling. And the one came up to the other and said, "Man, I'm tempted to go and do what I would do in the past: make some poor decisions, hang out with the wrong people, do some things I shouldn't do." And I'm concerned about that. There's a part of me that wants to do it. There's a part of me that doesn't want to do it. The fact that they even became vulnerable with each other to share that this doesn't go any further if that doesn't happen. And uh, so the other guy said, can we go outside and talk? And he said, yeah. So they went outside in this freezing Northwoods weather, and they just talked for like an hour. And then all of a sudden they went inside, and, and one of them said, you know what we need to do? We just need to get really vulnerable with each other. Wow, you want to talk about this thing spreading and catching, <laughs> you know? And uh, so they did, and they sat around a circle, and they didn't know what to call it. One girl said, let's do a Zen circle, and <laughs> you know, and he's like, well, well, let's do a God circle or whatever, but they, they got in the circle, and they just began to talk about, 
you know, he said, I want you to be real and I want you to tell us what really stinks about your life right now, what you're really angry about, what you're really frustrated about. And he said, he said, this might take an hour, hour and a half. There was only like five or six of them there. He says, five hours later, they're still there. And everyone's bawled out all their tears. They, they've cried. They, and, and someone would say something. And then, then he, the one guy said he felt like he was supposed to, he knew what to say to them. He just knew what to say. He just felt like he was supposed to say it. And that was God speaking to him. And when he said it, the person, it just made sense to them. And pretty soon they're all starting to hear God's voice like we talked about the time before. And they all start speaking into each other's life. And five hours later, everything's good. They're, the circumstances are still the same, but everything has changed. And it was just a natural, organic that's what Ecclesia is supposed to look like. That is what it's supposed to look like. And so I just wanted to give you guys an example because I hear that a lot. You know, there's a lot of people that are interested in what we're talking about. And some may be even afraid like Pat was and like a lot of the people at Camp Daniel. The message scared them until they got to know me a little bit. And some of you don't don't really necessarily know me except through these podcasts or whatever. But I understand that it's scary. I don't want to be scary. I understand. It's only scary because it's so new. It's so different. Well, God always is talking about he's going to do something new. So if God is something new, it's, it's going to be scary a lot. God asks to do things that are scary. That's why my quote, favorite quote is, you know, sometimes you have to jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. God asks us to do scary things. That's called faith. That's how you please God. And, and so um, maybe this message is, is kind of scary to you. I, I understand that. I, I, I get that. Okay. But I'm telling you, it's legit and it's real. And just because it's new doesn't mean it's wrong. And, um, so that's the number one thing I get asked by people that are interested in it, but they, they just want to know what does it look like? Because we don't want to know if we want to go forward, if we don't know what it looks like. And I don't know if we can put a picture on what it looks like. I mean, I think people want that. They want, give us the program, give us the, and we just keep copying each other all the time, but God does stuff that's original. So to say, it's always like this, it's kind of wrong to do that. You can say there's some generalities here. I'm just giving you one example of what it looks like. And there's so many different examples. Now, if you go out and try to copy that, I think we're kind of missing the point, but the point is God will guide us into all truth. God will guide us into peace. He'll guide us into love. He'll guide us into happy. God will guide us into victory. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that, that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and he calls them by name and they follow him because they know his voice. God will lead you to peace, to happy, to joy, to victory, to freedom. If you learn his voice and learn how to follow him, he will take you where you need to go. What's it look like? Well, ask him what he wants to do and you'll find out. Special agent on special assignment. So you're saying that we shouldn't get in a circle every week? I'm saying if we say that we always have to get in a circle, that's the problem with our system we have now. That's the way. I know you're you're tongue in cheek when you're saying that right there. (laughs) And what I'm saying is that's fine to get in a circle, but it's not about getting in a circle. Right. It's not about doing it the same way everyone else does it. It's a matter, a matter of saying, God, what do you want to do? And in this situation, they didn't even know what was going to happen. They just, one guy said he was really hurting. And then the other guy realized that everyone in there was struggling. So that was his assignment. People are hurting. Boom, there's your assignment right there. We overthink it. We try to make it a big, spooky, woo, God, speak to me. Well, there's a guy hurting right there. There's your neighbor right there. You can mow his lawn. You can, you know, there's all these different ways to help. So God will guide us into that. If you just want to be a special agent for him, you want to do what he wants you to do, then just tell him that. You can tell him right that now underneath your breath. You can tell him out loud. doesn't matter. If you tell him that, he'll hear it. He'll, he'll open up the door, and he'll probably interrupt your life. But those interruptions are usually him trying to get you to what you want to do, which is to do what God wants you to do. So that's what it looks like from from the hub 
to the Presbyterian Church, to the pastor, my relationship, to our relationship, to to your daughter, to your nephew and and his. I mean, it's all that's what it looks like. And I'm not going to put that in a box and say, first you do step A and then you do step A, you know, one A, two A. I'm not going to do that. You're telling me 25 years ago when you met my cousin at Spencer Lake Youth Camp, you didn't know that all this was going to happen? It goes further. You didn't know all this. I know Tony because of his nephew, his daughter, who was a preteener at a camp that I spoke in Spencer Lake, Wisconsin, and I signed a frisbee for her, (laughs) and she loved me so much. And my wife, we were there together and loved us so much that they they came down. We weren't married yet. My wife and I weren't married yet. They came down. She went home and told her dad, the pastor Tony's uncle, that we got to have Steve O come out. And she she had so much influence. She convinced her parents to take them because I invited them to our wedding. They came. They, they don't even hardly even know us. She came to the camp. She brought her whole family down to our wedding. And then the relationship I had with her dad and her mom and, and that whole body of believers in Green Bay that was just, they became like family to me. They were me familia, man. That's who they were. And then, and then um, through that, that's how I met Tony. And it all came from one middle school girl. How do you write that up? So this is what you need to do. You go find a middle school person and then, right? It's just ridiculous. I want to write a book called The Accident Driven Life. This is what it looks like. God will guide you. All you have to do is be open for him to guide you and he'll show you. Hearing his voice isn't some spooky, weird thing. God will guide us. All we have to do is want him to and keep our eyes open for it and he'll do it. Awesome. So I thought, I hope that helps. What do you think, Tony? It was awesome. Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I almost got, I'm like, man, I want to go cry somewhere right now. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just feeling it. And I'm, I'm hoping that you're feeling it where you're at too. God loves you and he's got a plan for your life and he wants to use you to spread that joy to somebody else. Take us out, Jimmy Durante. <laughs> Make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. And you will be happy too. Steve Ace.